0: what is going on you guys and welcome back to another video if you are new to the channel here my name is Brandon last week I posted a video titled three TSX stocks to buy for the long term and it really seemed like you guys enjoyed that one today I'm gonna come back with two additional TSX or Canadian traded stocks to buy we're actually gonna be doing a bit of a new concept here suggested by you guys where the first stock that we talk about today is gonna be more or less your traditional stock to buy video where I kind of summarize some of the key points I like about a stock, but our second stock, I'm actually gonna be doing a slightly deeper dive into the company, not necessarily saying that it's a buy, but going through the things that I would look at, and maybe it's a buy, maybe it's not. You'll kind of find out as you go through the video, but it was a pretty common suggestion from you guys to say, even if it's not a stock to buy, you're curious to see where I look, um, the sources and whatnot. So we're gonna be doing that with a stock called Magna stock, which was actually one that was just brought to my attention quite recently. But let's dive into the video guys. If you enjoy, give this a thumbs up. As always, we do offer courses and training through our investing academy. If you want to check that out, that's that first link down below. But the first stock that we're going to talk about today is the company Nutrien. The ticker is ntr.to. The dividend today sits at 2.76%. This is a stock that we've talked about on the channel here and there not too often, but um, surprise, for a slow boring company, it has doubled off their pandemic lows. Today, the shares are trading at $83.73. And I do actually feel that it's still a very fair stock to consider at this point. Because for those that don't know Nutrien, um, I don't blame you. Very, very quick background. This is actually a newly formed company. Now they do actually have history because this company was formed when a company called Potash or Potash Corporation of Saskatchewan merged with a company called Agrium or Agrium. And that was back in about 2017, 2018. That's why when you take a look at these charts, you're gonna say, oh, well, well, we can't look too far back. And I don't really like the fact that you can't look back any further, but if you do dive a little bit deeper, you can find the history you're looking for. This is a company that's based out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and they are the largest producer of potash in the world. They're also the third largest producer of nitrogen fertilizer. They deliver as a company, 25 million tons of product, product across the globe. And this is obviously a play in the agriculture place, Uh, in the agriculture space. And essentially where you'd find these products used is like fertilizer. So fertilizer for your crops or getting the proper food and nutrients for um, farming and um, the, the agriculture space really is what it is. For those that either work in the space or just flat out live in maybe some of the more rural areas of Canada, and across the globe, actually, North America, they do actually have 1500 retail locations, which you may have come across. Personally, I never have, but um, yeah, they may look a little something like this, which I'm putting up on the screen. And I wanna start this conversation today talking about an overall look on commodities. And I came across this chart, and this isn't necessarily potash in particular, but this is just a commodity index versus the S&P. And the title of this chart says equities are expensive commodities are cheap. And what I'd like to mention about this chart in particular is that I think it can be a little bit misleading. Um, At first glance, you say, wow, commodities may be showing some value. There may be some good opportunities here. And yeah, I mean, if you actually factor that into the S&P, which is really driven by a lot of our big tech stocks and they've performed oh so well, well, in relation, you are going to see that difference. There is going to be quite a big difference, but nevertheless, particularly focused in the potash industry, which is what we're going to talk about today i do think that we are seeing a bit of a turnaround a bit of a recovery and this is a recovery that's been really in the making for a number of years going back a decade there's been a very big slump in this particular commodity price i'll actually share with you a post here which shows the 20 year chart of potash prices and if you did follow along with you know before the merger potash corpus saskatchewan which is a stock that i actually used to own it went down and down and down very very in line with the general price of the commodity but more or less as of recently we have seen this start to tick up and what we would expect in general if you are a company that's very heavily relied around a commodity such as this if the commodity price picks up again well very very likely the operations for the business are going to start doing better and better this in particular has been a huge help for nutrient and really the entire industry in that China is seeing or showing increased demand in particular for potash. Here's a little, description that says China relies on imports for potash widely used as fertilizer for about half of its total annual demand this will of course continue to drive demand and help stabilize potash prices another clipping that I have this was taken from earlier this year says global sales of potash fertilizer hit record highs helped by the spike in crop prices nutrient and mosaic another uh, company in the space have benefited as crop prices climbed to multi-year highs helped by strong Chinese demand Here's a little statement from the CEO, Chuck Magro. We believe there is a cyclical recovery in the agriculture space underway. Or I kind of threw in a few extra words there, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. And if you do take a look at some of the second quarter results, we have seen that, hence why the stock has done quite well. Actually, what I quickly want to say in this quick summary video is what is important to me from this Q2 result was they actually bumped up their guidance. So projecting forward, they bumped their guidance up by 33% shows some very very strong signs of promise although their share price hasn't quite reflected it over the past decade the company has performed well they've grown their retail sales compounded and it looks to be about nine percent over that past period and although we have kind of highlighted china as showing the strong demand understand that there is still much more to this company than China. That's one aspect of where they serve and deliver product. But there is still demand globally in other areas, such as India being a smaller component, uh, North America and Latin America. But especially over in Asia and India, these agriculture spaces are just massive. And the need for fertilizer, the need for crops isn't going away anytime soon. Let's take a moment to talk about the dividend because that's a big component of this business. The quarterly dividend with Nutrien today is at $0.46 USD. Unfortunately, this is a dividend that isn't growing by much. In fact, in this little table here that you see, they do increase it unfortunately just by a few cents uh, every year. However, they are extremely well covered by cash flow. I'll highlight this up for you and we see about 50% coverage. So nothing really drastic to worry about, no red flags of any sorts. And in my opinion, as this bull market, let's call it in commodities does kind of come around or this recovery, maybe to put it modestly that we may be seeing as that continues and the industry ramps up, very, very likely that this company will end up ramping up their dividend like they did previously uh, with the two companies that they used to be uh, independently operated as. In general, I think that Nutrien is a stock that doesn't get covered on YouTube. I don't often come across any other videos other than mine that do cover the stock. That said, it's one that's in a unique space in terms of that sector, in terms of the the agriculture space. A lot of people, you yourself as an investor may not have exposure to that industry. And if you are looking for a little bit of diversity, if you are looking for something that plays a major impact across the globe, globally agriculture is so huge i consider taking a look at the company nutrient at least one that should be on the watch list because again you do have a very very reliable dividend they're amply covered and if we do see a continued increase in the potash prices i think that this stock will continue to perform well and uh, the stock today trades at 83.78 dollars 78 I'd say it's a fairly valued stock, but again, if you're in it for the dividend, I think it's one to consider. Now let's move on to the second part of this video, which again is a completely new type of uh, concept here on the channel. So I would love some feedback and I'd love for you guys to leave comments down below whether this is too much, not enough, if it's boring, you guys let me know, but let's at least give it a try. Earlier actually this morning, I got a question from one of our students. So shout out to Liam who asked me my thoughts on Magna International Stock. This is a stock that trades under the ticker MG. Its dividend today is a 2.22% yield and it trades for $99.25 Canadian. If you actually took a look, what actually interested our student said, hey, stocks down about 18, 20% off highs. They have a very attractive PE ratio at 10 and the dividend looks quite reliable. So what are your thoughts on this? And I basically spend a good part of the day going through the reports, going through my research. I took some screenshots, which I'll share with you today. So kind of share with you how I would approach this as this is a new company for me. Just taking a look at that share price, a couple things that jump out to me are first and foremost, uh, tremendous run coming out of COVID. I'd almost go as far as saying a little steeper in a good way that we'd like to see, but yeah, shares are down. That 10% PE ratio is something that does look attractive, but as we'll look at later, we can't take everything at face value, and we'll explain why. But to start off, what does this company do? This is a clipping that I just took from Yahoo Finance. Magna International designs, engineers, and manufacturers components, assemblies, systems, subsystems, and modules for original equipment, manufacturers of vehicles and light trucks worldwide. So they operate with four major segments, which are body exteriors and structures power vision seating systems and complete vehicles for some of their lightweight trucks and smaller vehicles essentially a way we could look at this is a company that plays a major role in manufacturing auto parts both on the exterior as well as the interior Uh, it says here that the company was founded in 1957 and located in a place called aurora canada and i don't know about you guys but i don't even know where aurora canada is i've never heard of that but it sounds like a pretty cool place what i find is interesting about this company after digging into deeper is that you are getting exposure to the automotive industry and especially areas such as evs without directly investing in an automaker right you're not buying a ford you're not buying a tesla but these companies have this indirect exposure Uh, based on you know they're actually very very critical to the design and to the production of some of these companies i spent a good part of the day reading through the annual reports kind of familiarizing myself top down with the company and i'm obviously not going to show you guys that aspect of it because i spent a considerable amount of time and there'd be too many clippings to show you but just to kind of get you up to speed some examples of where this company has going on right now is uh, let's say a collaboration with fisker so they recently inked a long-term deal to help fisker the automaker to essentially put together their Ocean EV SUV. And this is coming soon, a target of 2022. They are also involved with building the electric battery enclosures for the new Hummer EV. I also read the the Ford F-150, but as Hummer rolls out with their new electric vehicle, these parts are gonna be kind of contracted out to Magna. They also announced a big joint venture with LG Electronics. And this is a little venture that they're starting out of South Korea, basically developing Um, e-motors and whatnot so you can kind of see how they're they're involved but they're not necessarily a car manufacturer and again I think it's a very interesting play on getting exposure to the space without getting it directly one thing that is quite notable that I think should be well aware if you're looking into this company is that they just brought on a new CEO so uh, this guy named Swami uh, uh, Kotagiri Uh, He became the chief executive officer of Magna effective January 1st. So very, very recently earlier this year. However, if you do take a look, he has over 30 years experience in the industry. And what's important to me here is 21 years with Magna. So, yes, they do have a new CEO and that's always a variable at play one thing to ask yourself when there is a new CEO is, is this an outsider coming in? Is he someone who's never been part of the business before? Is this someone that's been um, you know, bred within the company? In this case, this guy served as the president. Uh, he also started as the chief technology officer for a number of years going back. So you'd like to think that he knows kind of the corporate culture. He knows the vision for this company. That's often something that I like to see when a, when someone does step in, they have the same outlook for the company as well. But um, Still something to consider last but not least before we dive into some numbers this was the only visual chart that i found uh, unfortunately it's back from 2019 but nevertheless you'll still get a good idea from an overview of how their business works clearly the uh the parts and structures are building parts and structures is their largest component so that's literally like building the frames and whatnot secondarily you have power and vision and then complete vehicles as well as seating uh seating systems kind of around the same ballpark and then to look at the geo- geographical segment primarily doing business in north america and europe so about half of their sales come from north america a little bit smaller than that comes from europe i believe it's actually about 44 percent after looking into it deeper but let's take a moment here and look into some of the financials and actually first things first when the student asked me about this company before i even looked at the overview and looked at what the company did i actually just pulled this exact page up here on yahoo finance because i don't want to waste my time learning about a company if they're not in a good position right i think that's first things first you don't want to waste your time if the company's just junk under the hood nevertheless this was the page i looked at and what kind of jumped out to me first and foremost revenues over the past few years at least dating back to 2017 the data we have here they're steady okay so the top line's not really growing it's not really shrinking yes you have the slight ups and downs but 38.9 billion 40 billion uh 39 billion obviously covid played a big role in the 2020 calendar year we see that bump down but they have kind of recovered out of that and they're right in line with it looks like what they've been performing over the past four years or so 38.9 billion cost of revenue again just fluctuating with the day-to-day or the year-to-year ups and downs of the business this is obviously a profitable company which is something that I think is positive if you take a look at their eps i've highlighted kind of the outlier which is $2.52 again in a case like this with covid I think we can honestly chalk up often, like just say, don't even bother about that. Because if you do look to the right of the 2020 calendar year, well, you see a little more status quo, Uh, uh, $5.61, $6.65, $5.93. To me, that's a much more real range to look at. One thing that did stick out to me on this chart, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but at the bottom part, we do see shares are decreasing and this to me is actually a major po- uh, positive essentially they are buying back shares and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment but to toggle over to the balance sheet again this is all yahoo finance just literally toggling from income statement to balance sheet what i notice right off the bat is a big big bump in the cash so cash number sitting at 3.2 billion and that's a big increase over the 2019 calendar year and a big uh, or 2019, December 31st, I should say, as well as going back to 2018. And to me, I kind of asked myself, well, where is that big cash coming from? Um, Did they sell part of their business? Did they just do very well? That's something that you kind of dig deeper into when you go into the actual um, statements with the company, the releases. But nevertheless, sitting at $3.2 billion, we love to see that. I did highlight here inventories just due to the nature of the business. Here we're looking at relatively flat, so nothing jumps out to me. But circled, I do show the current assets of 13.3 billion dollars now why is this important well often i'll then go down to kind of like the second half of this chart and our page or table i should say and unfortunately uh, i couldn't get everything on here but i see no issue with the current debt we see actually a very small number at 129 million dollars accounts payable uh 6.2 6.3 billion pretty much a wash with their net receivables tax payable we can skip over that accrued liabilities these all form the total current liabilities of 9.7 billion and if we did a quick little calculation uh, which would be known as a current a current ratio basically just taking a look at their current assets versus current liabilities we see that they do have ample coverage and the math there suggests that it's about 1.3 1.4 basically to me showing no real indication that at least over the short term at least over the next you know year or so or 12 months technically the company should be able to operate fine. You know, there's not a big uh, liability or a big obligation coming up. It's probably gonna be status quo. And I kind of cross reference that with a longer term page. And this is from Morningstar that I'm looking at, but instead of looking back to just 2017, we see that the current ratio has operated in a very, very similar fashion. So this to me gives me a little comfort knowing that this is just kind of how the company operates. And this is why first and foremost, it's so important when, when we say, look at a company with history, right? If you're looking at a company that just IPO'd this year, there's no public data to look back on. How can you know if what's happening right now is uh, normal or not? Nevertheless, taking a look at this chart, I see nothing nothing glaring. And in fact, actually their, cash, their current position or the current assets are actually strengthening. Another way to look at this, which is something that you guys may have seen on my videos more often, is taking a step back and taking another 30,000 foot view. And now we just see this, in basically more of a timeline fashion and I like this view because again we see revenues are flat and instead of just going back three or four years we can go back ten years but again from 2014 and so on we aren't seeing a huge uptick in revenue treading water let's call it gross margins today are sitting at about 13 to 15 percent range we're gonna talk about that more in a moment earnings per share however has been steadily growing so earnings per share I actually didn't highlight there oh I guess I did actually but take a look at that from 2014, $4.34, $488, dollars dollars 516 $587, $661, $560 in 2019. Again, don't bother with COVID that year as an outlier. And trailing 12 months, we've seen a nice uptick. $7.23 in earnings per share. Again, another big part of this, very potentially, seeing how the company's not necessarily growing or expanding their margins. Where is this earnings coming from? Well A nice part of that is they have been buying back shares. We've seen shares decrease pretty much year after year on a consistent basis. And that's obviously a major benefit to shareholders for the most part. Uh, Dividends as well, I have highlighted, but we do have a section on dividends, which we'll talk about, but we can see this uh, on an annual basis, how much dividends they're paying out in US dollars. And as well, the payout ratio seems very, very fair basically hovering around 20% other than the uh, COVID year where it spiked up to 104%. Lastly, over the past few years, if you scroll down to the bottom of this page, we've seen cash flow increasing, which is always something that we wanna see as an investor. Now we'll jump back to Yahoo Finance because this is something that some people care for, some people don't. But what I tend to look at is seeing that this company is not necessarily a heavily covered stock in terms of the number of analysts keep in mind the stock is a 29 billion dollar market cap so not like the major mega caps that we often cover but it's also not a tiny company 29.29 um, billion dollars it's just something to consider and some of these analyst projections can be good to look at just to give us a slight idea of what the expectations is on wall street looking let's say a year out in this case if we go down to the bottom we see revenue estimates current year sitting at 49.6 zero six billion in the current year. Well, they're expecting that or projecting that to grow by $5 billion over the next year, 2022. This representing a sales growth of about 11.4, 40%. On the earnings side, uh, again, current estimates, we're also seeing growth in the earnings per share. For the fiscal year 2021, we have $8.51 on an eps basis projecting out next year in 2022 $11.06. and again this could be a measure of a result of buying back shares and the company operating better but that's something that i think is um it does give you a little bit of insight into yeah the company hasn't necessarily been growing previously but they are expecting to see numbers increase uh, coming in the following year bit of a positive now it is important to obviously look at the negatives too right it's very very exciting when you come across a new stock to just pick out all of the 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 exciting parts and the positives and that's fine but you have to look at the negatives and this is not necessarily a negative per se maybe a minor negative but it's just something to be aware about and it's due to the nature of this business really the company in my opinion does have relatively thin margins that's just the type of company it is gross margins are at about 13 to 15 if I were to just do a rough ballpark um, kind of estimation there based on just kind of looking at it. Now, of course, that's not uh, what they're pulling in at the end of the day, that's gross margin. That's just on the sale of their product or service. Taking a look at that middle line that you see kind of in the middle of your page, this is of course your operating margin. This is after you factor in like selling costs and the cost of labor, for example, which you know labor prices are constantly changing and they're kind of going up too, but this would be considered SG&A for the most part. Their operating margin after factoring that out is about five to 7% ballpark. Again, it wouldn't be fair to call that a negative because that's just the nature of this business. Certain industries, certain businesses operate with thinner margins. You compare that over to like a Facebook or a Google, which is a very digital uh, company by nature and they don't have as many expenses. You see very, very much higher margins and they're just two completely different ballgames you can't compare them apples to apples so it's not fair to call it negative but it is something that i I recognize um not as much wiggle room in the margins there on the bright side however what i think is very very good with this company is when you take a look down to the return on equity and return on invested capital numbers uh we're seeing these percentages up roughly in the 20 percent range for return on equity maybe 18 19 if i'm being a little bit generous return on invested capital Again, very high double digits, and often investors will like to see that above maybe 10 or 15%. In this case, I think they're right in line with that. Let's take a moment to talk about the dividends. And this company pays a dividend of 43 cents per share. This is USD. Uh, what I'm actually looking at is their American ticker. I think this was from their investor relations website, but you can kind of see each dividend as it was paid. Oh, you also have the equivalent there in Canadian dollars actually to the right. Um, just right of the declared dividend amount but basically a better way of looking at it is from a random source you can find online by just googling it um this shows a let's say over the past decade how well they've grown that dividend and to me what i identify here is they've grown that dividend from back in 2011 25 cents per quarter 10 years ago to today sitting at 43 cents per quarter so quite a nice jump up there not as gradual as some may like it's a little more sporadic but nevertheless you love to see these dividends growing and important to note here is that their payout ratio again besides covid is in that 20 percent range and that is a very 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 respectable payout ratio essentially the amount of earnings that they're kicking out to their shareholders nothing really to stress about there. Uh, That can indicate too that they have space to grow that in the future. Um, More or less, it's just kind of some of the things that you'd think about. In terms of the valuation, I touched on at the top, the PE today sitting at 10 seems very, very attractive. And when I came across the quote by basically looking it up, I said, ooh, quite interesting. Especially when you compare that to the S&P, which we know is trading at a multiple of, I believe, 34 times today. TSX, I can put up a, it's clipping for you, but I think that's in the 25 or maybe 20 uh, 20 times multiple. Nevertheless, when you see 10 there, you think like, wow, this must be a very, very good value. And again, I think by diving a little bit deeper into it, you may learn that that's actually not the case. You don't want to just take everything at face value because you can't compare apples to apples. This may be a good point to just promote actually my dad's recent video on P ratios. If you didn't see that one, go check it out because he did an entire video talking about this. But essentially, yes this stock trades at a pe of 10 today but what i noticed by actually looking at the data doing the research and looking back for the past number of years they've traded at a very very low multiple going back uh, a number of years if we look back to let's say 2015 they traded at a p ratio of 8.6 then in 2016 8.5 uh, then 2017 10 2018 6 2019 9 again we're gonna scrap covid and kind of chalk that year but we see the p ratio of 10 here and that doesn't look as attractive as you may have seen you could even look at their five-year average and say oh well they're significantly below that below 13 well that five-year average is obviously skewed uh, in a big part by the covid pandemic and their 2020 results price to free cash flow tells us a very very similar story and it's clues like these that you can kind of start you know piecing together and uh understanding that each company that you research has to take its own little approach, right? You can't just say, and this is a very common mistake that people make, is that they say, oh, lower PE is always better. So if you compare this stock with a 10 to Apple, which is, I'm guessing trading at a 28 or you know 29 times earnings, people will say 10 is better. And that's not necessarily true. Maybe there's a good reason that people aren't willing to pay more for this stock. Maybe it's the thin margins. Maybe it's the industry that they're in and they rely very heavily on automobile makers which is quite cyclical in nature and uh, all these things come into play which is why this stock for years has traded at a low multiple so to me when i see this price i see yeah it has dropped 20 percent and yeah that does potentially entice uh, time to nibble or time to buy but based on the historical numbers i don't see it being extremely valuable whatsoever i think it's fair to be honest Uh, it's a fair price again quite in line with their averages Uh, but definitely not that much of a... There's not screaming huge sale is kind of what I'm getting at. And the stock has been falling. It could be a falling knife, and it's something that you may just want to consider. Uh, There may be more room to drop. Nevertheless, I'll finish this off with a slight conversation on technical analysis again I don't really care for this all too much but on a technical level you are seeing a nice little crossover here Uh, This could indicate that we are seeing some buying pressure Essentially what's happening here is the shorter term average or this little black line We could look at it has crossed over to longer term average if you look to the top We see the 14-day RSI is trending upwards which suggests some positive momentum or some buying pressure again to me It's not something that I would look at Uh, all too much but again it can that can be a part that you decide and you say oh maybe the stock is forming a bit of a bottom maybe this is where it's time to buy in for me personally the takeaway is that uh, I like to look at these numbers first right it's obviously very important to understand the business but with a new company that comes across my radar like this why would I spend hours and hours or even a number of days you know learning the nuances of the business if the numbers don't make sense In Magna's case, I don't think that they don't make sense. I think that it's actually a fair buy. Uh, If you're someone that really likes the company and if it's a space that you really want to be in, I think that it's trading at a fair range. I think that the dividend shows ample coverage, again, a very low payout ratio, which I think is quite attractive. And if you were investing in the stock for the dividend, I'd like to think that that's a very, very safe dividend. Again, the yield today is only 2.2%. So it's nothing crazy but in general i didn't see any major red flags with the stock that said based on those averages it's also not showing extreme value so it's kind of one that for me i definitely sit out on one other thing that i think is worth considering is that whenever a new management team takes over or there's a new ceo or somebody powerful that takes the new the reins the future we don't know what's going to happen in the future we don't know what direction he's going to take the company in and that's kind of the risk you have to have to take and have to play again I like the fact that he was bred through the system and he's had a long tenure with the company in various other roles. And you know, maybe he decides to put a big shift on the technology side and getting into the EVs and whatnot, which does seem to be the way they're going. Maybe he decides to take it more traditionally and it could lead in two very different paths with the company. But again, with a new CEO, as of this year recently, that's something that we just don't quite know. And for a company that I don't really care for all that much, again, that's a risk that I don't really care to take. What I find is funny, just one final note is they call themselves here on Google or on Wikipedia uh, a Canadian mobility technology company for automakers. So technically you're investing in a tech company if you buy the stock. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but um, kind of a kind of a little joke there. Everyone wants to be a tech company in today's world. But um, yeah, I think that will kind of wrap it up for the video. You guys can let me know what you thought of that entire second half of the video, because again, typically what happens when I do a stocks to buy video is I do this in the background. I come up with a summary or highlights and I kind of share with you guys stocks that I think are actually good ones based on all the information. But you guys have been requesting to kind of say, even if they're not a good pick, what do you think? That's some of the things that I would look for. Leave a comment down below to let me know. If you did enjoy today's video, I would really appreciate it if you gave a big thumbs up. That is a great way of supporting the channel. You can subscribe for more content. If you're not subscribed, you can just hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications, and that way you'll know when other stock to buy videos come out. As always, we do have our investing academy down below. So if you want to learn more about the stock market, if you're a beginner, if you wanna see what our training's all about, you can click that first link down below to learn all about that. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.